the pandemic, social unrest, the state, and the White House. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. It's spring, and Lawn Doctor of Rhode Island is your lawn care company. Call them today for a free quote, 401-392-1025. Check out their website, lawndoctor.com. Your best lawn ever, guaranteed. Call them now. Get that spring program. You have the fertilizer, then you guaranteed broadleaf crabgrass control. Your best lawn ever, guaranteed. Call Lawn Doctor today. Check out their website, lawndoctor.com, or call them 401-392-1025. To Petro on AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Folks, you can always listen online at the website to Petro.com. It's Thursday. I will be attending uh, Governor McKee's COVID briefing, and then he touches on other things as well. But I want to start off with last night. That was, um, I, I, I just, I can't believe we have to suffer through this for the next couple of years. It was President Biden. Enough of like the gender celebrating these people like, oh, look how great it is. Kamala Harris, historic, and Nancy Pelosi sitting behind him. Can we get, listen, fine. Can we please just like get to running the country? And I was so glad that afterwards the Republican response, and he is certainly a rising star, Tim Scott, Senator Scott, who got up there. And it's about time that someone says it because like many of you, I mean, I'm getting tired of hearing about everything is on race. Everybody's a racist. And Senator Tim Scott, Republican of South Carolina, uh, you know, he I thought he delivered it pretty well last night as he talked about the United States. America is not a racist country. It's backwards to fight discrimination with different types of discrimination. And it's wrong to try to use our painful past to dishonestly shut down debates in the present. He is 100 percent right. How about that story out of, you know, you're the man that was shot in North Carolina. There were nine people arrested last night. They've had a lot of protests. We're learning now that his family was saying, yeah, you know, he just was in his driveway and his hands on a steering wheel. He really wasn't doing anything. And they just went up and executed him until we now find out that, no, what happened was he, he was using his vehicle, try to escape from the deputies that went to arrest him and talk to him. And then he hit Hit the police officers. There's, we're getting away. This is so dangerous. There's no accountability. There's no accountability. You know, they already have the family attorney. They're already ready to sue for millions. Shouldn't it matter, in fact, that that he was using his vehicle as a weapon? And what, what are you? What are the police supposed to do? There's no common sense with that. Do you notice that? What are the police supposed to do? The police go to talk to you, and you decide to ram at them. Not once, but twice. And they're supposed to, they're supposed to what? They're supposed to just take it? What do you, what do you think is going to happen? He, you could kill someone with a car. And that's never mentioned until then they start to let the body cam footage out. And by the way, the police down there, other police are agreeing with me when I've said the police have to move faster on this. Because by the time, you know, they start to show the body cam footage, the word is already out that they went, and, and it's it's so appalling and they, they're saying, oh, yeah, they went and executed him in his driveway, and which leads people to think, imagine that, they went and shot the guy simply because he's black. And that's that's not what happened. Now, again, last night, Lindsey Graham was on uh, Fox News afterwards talking about, and folks, last night, I mean, this is, we're enter, entering into a dangerous time because you, you're starting to get people, they're going to expect everything is free. They're going to expect everything is paid for and, and that they don't have to pay for anything and everything is taken care of. And Lindsey Graham was on uh, with Sean Hannity after the speech and was talking about just Biden is going so much more of a socialist agenda than anyone really expected. None of these things. I saw a weak Joe Biden tonight, adult Joe Biden, not the guy that you knew years ago. Yeah, really, I saw a socialist tonight. I saw a man who embraced socialism. What did he tell us? To save American families, we're going to grow the government. Uh, The bottom line is infrastructure now is about climate change. It's not about roads and bridges. And he talked about Russia and China in terms that were really unnerving to me. Do you think, after listening to Joe Biden tonight, that anybody at the Kremlin is worried? 
Do you think the Chinese have any fear in them after hearing this speech tonight? It was incoherent on foreign policy. He talked about leaving Afghanistan as if there's no consequence to leaving. He turned down sound military advice. This is the same Joe Biden that allowed ISIS to come back by leaving Iraq. You just wait and see what happens. The bottom line tonight, that if I ever hear that Joe Biden's a moderate again, I'm going to throw up. Because after night, he embraced socialism. He made Barack Obama look like Ronald Reagan. But here's the good news. There's a better way, and Tim Scott embodies that way. Tim Scott did not only himself proud tonight, but he did conservatism proud. And uh, let's help well Tim said. Scott. Well, uh... You know, it's amazing also, uh, folks, with the Biden speech last night, is you, you would never know that he was the vice president for eight years. And he had been in Washington forever since the 70s in the Senate. He talks like someone who's brand new. I'll tell you what else what was so offensive. And this was last night. I know many people are saying, oh, I'm not watching it. Listen, he's still the president of the United States. And I, we need to know what his plans are and what he's saying. But them going after the Capitol protest on January 6th, saying it was the worst attack on our democracy since the Civil War. I mean, what an absolute joke. The worst attack on our democracy since the Civil War? What about 9-11? What about Pearl Harbor? How about the Oklahoma City bombing? The January 6th protest at the Capitol. There was one person killed, and it was one of the protesters. Again, they continue this narrative, this terrible attack on our democracy. Can you imagine saying that the worst attack since the Civil War? What do you think? Why do you think we were attacked on 9-11? What about Pearl Harbor? Over 3,000 killed. Got us into World War II. No, the, the Oklahoma City bombing, how many people were killed there? That was the worst attack. These things were done because we're a democracy. 9-11 happened because it was an attack on America. America is democracy in the world. Pearl Harbor, we were attacked for being a democracy in World War II and with Pearl Harbor. I mean, to say that and continue this, this nonsense that they put out, because on January 6th, a bunch of Americans who felt that they got the short end of the stick with the election and no one's listening to them, and after watching all summer of people rioting and looting and destruction of property, and destroying government buildings and going then they said you know what we think we're going to do that and 99 percent of the people on january 6th were peaceful and the message came out first you were told oh they they beat that poor police officer capital police officer to death that's all that was a lie they beat him to death with a fire extinguisher lie there was another woman who was trampled to death no lie two other people no they had heart attacks over by the speech they never even made it inside the capitol no, as we've said, there was one person. That what about the bear spray? No, nope, didn't kill him. No, he had a stroke. He was obese. If you've seen the film, and I don't mean that. I mean, I'm just it, the facts are the facts. But what it amounted to, and by the way, so many of those people are still in being held without bail as we speak for what for trespassing. I I, I can't believe last night. And when you start to offer everything for free how about locally now no one should have to pay to ride the bus ripta should be free who do they want to pay for it you do maybe you're listing right now and you say one i don't even ride the bus i have my car they still want you to pay for it because they feel everything should be free everything in the inner city should be free that is the new mantra that's the new way and as many of you know a big problem is going to be once you start to offer things for free uh, if something's expected for free, you're going to have a tough time getting people to pay for it. There's yet another story today. It's not just restaurants. It's manufacturing having a tough time getting workers back. How about this quote from he's a professor of economics at Bryant University said, you know, I don't think it's because people are getting an extra 300 unemployment boost per week. I think it is as people are concerned about their health and their family situation and there's a skills gap and that's why they're not going back. If they're concerned about the health and the family, why are they all going out? They were all going out last summer. See, there's the difference between the classroom and the real world. You have people in manufacturing, small business, and restaurants and, and uh, hospitality will say retail people won't come back to work because they can make more or just as much 
by staying home on unemployment. They are in the trenches. They are seeing the day-to-day. Then you have this Analdo Tabali, professor of economics at Bryant, that says, you know, I think they're concerned about the health or it's the skills gap or uh, there's a technology and a fundamental shift. See, he has to have the big right, university-type answer for it. See, no, there's more, far more complicated than that. I'm a professor of economics at Bryant. And no, it's a skills gap and people concerned about their own health. So, yeah, these are the same people that are going to be going to the beach all summer, going out all summer. They go to Twin River and they've decided, no, I'm going to stay on unemployment. I don't have to work. I can make just as much if I don't work. So I'm going to stay on unemployment. All right, we have a lot ahead. Uh, Governor McKee press briefing coming up at one. Leave it right here. It's the John DePietro Show. Well, it's a challenge to run your business these days. Maybe you need to find the right type of workers. Why not let MEGA professionals find them for you? Call MEGA professionals today, serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, 508-336-7801. MEGA, M-E-G-A, professionals, 508-336-7801. Maybe if you need workers, maybe you have workers that won't come back to work. You need drivers, certified help, part-time full-time, maybe weekend work, you need the professionals at MEGA Professionals. Let them find the workers for you. They screen them all out. They send them right over to you. Serving Rhode Island, Massachusetts, call them today, 508-336-7801. Maybe you need mechanics or skilled labor or warehouse workers, office workers, professionals, even those in the healthcare profession. MEGA Professionals, call them today, 508 508- 336-7801. Again, 508-336-7801. You focus on your business. Let MEGA professionals help you find the workers. MEGA professionals, 508-336-7801. Have you been thinking about updating your website? Do you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business? Would you like a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional who has been doing this work for 23 years? Contact Karen Etchells at Innovast Digital Marketing. Karen will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Call Karen Etchells at 401-321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www. While the pandemic rages on, you need to stay healthy. You need to take care of your health. You need to stop it and see Marie at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland, right across from Davenport Restaurant. Call Marie. I call her the Queen of Health, 401-305-3585. You've seen her store. It's right in that old white church. It's My Health, because folks, it's about your health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Shop local. Stop it and see Marie. What do we have? Well, vitamins, herbal remedies, trusted companies who understand quality, integrity, local products like the incredible acai berry. She also has honey, maple syrup. Marie at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland, right across from Davenport Restaurant, has over 250 bulk herbs, teas, and spices that can be purchased by the ounce plus box herbs and teas. The service is the best, plus hemp and CBD products, plus massage therapy, reflexology, Pilates. Folks, stop it and see her. It's my health because it's about your health and staying healthy and children's vitamins. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. You can call her at 401-305-3585. Stop in and see Marie and It's My Health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland, right across from Davenport Restaurant. Because remember, it's your health. Stop it and see Marie at It's My Health. You're listening to the John DePietro Show, folks. Weekdays, we start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, DePietro.com. Joining me right now, he is uh, attorney Tim Dodd, our legal expert. Tim, I want to start off. A lot of excitement in the press as former New York City mayor, former attorney for President Trump, Rudy Giuliani, had his uh, both office and apparently New York apartment. Um, well, they, they got search rates, uh, search, excuse me, search warrants and were raided by the FBI. 
uh, legally. What what does this sound like, and what can you tell us? Well, it's um, I guess it's surprising and not surprising. Uh, it's unusual that lawyers' offices do get raided in this manner. Um, this is the Southern District of New York. Um, it is Cyrus Vance Jr. as the U.S. Attorney um, who has um, a clear animus towards the Trump administration and anyone associated with it. Um, the only other person I remember as an attorney who had their office raided in connection with anything in the Trump universe was when they raided um, Michael Cohen's office and that was part of the um, run-up to him becoming a cooperating witness with the feds. What could they be looking for? Um, Rudy, uh, you know, has this um, veneer as the, you know, the mayor of New York and the hero of one of the heroes. Of, maybe that's not the right word, but one of the uh, bright lights of the 9-11 uh, episode where he sort of led the city through a, a dreadful uh, situation. But in more recent years, he's been involved in a number of provocative things. Certainly a provocative adventure for Rudy was the um, legal challenges after the uh, 2020 election. I think this is more likely something to do with um, his association with Ukraine um, he's done a lot of lobbying for Ukraine over the years. He's represented Ukrainian interests. And there's always been the specter that he could get charged with um, violating federal lobbying laws for things that he was doing when he was associated uh, representing um, U Ukrainian interests. And it's no surprise that anyone in the Trump world, uh, the feds are going after um vigorously would be an understatement. Um, so that's where I think it's it's the direction it's heading. And I would think that they were, will try to get him jammed up on whatever case they can get him jammed up on to try to get him to flip and provide information as to anything he might know from his association with President Trump. Tim, how just touch on how dramatic that is certainly... Um... It's not easy to get a judge to sign off on. I mean, he is the former, you know, district attorney of that area, former mayor of New York. How significant is it that they were able to even obtain search warrants on uh, Giuliani? Yes, you're, you're right, John. The search warrant um, that a judge would have signed off on would have had to provide specifics as to what they expected to find, what the basis of their knowledge is that there should be something to find, either at his home or his office. Um, you've got to make a prima facie case that there's something there. A case in the first instance, Judge, this is what we think we're going to find. This is why we think we're going to find it. This is how we know that the suspected material is in either place. This is where we learned it from. Um, this is why we need it. This is what the criminality is. They would really have to lay it out. Now, how accurate is the information that they're utilizing? We don't know. We haven't seen that search warrant yet. We, we know that um, there was a lot of um, knowingly false documentation or information that was provided to the FISA court um, when they were going after Trump associates. So who knows? how legitimate this is. Um, if I was Rudy, I wouldn't be sleeping too well because, again, he, he has been very close to the edge, both in his legal representation and his ethical obligations in some of the things that he's been involved in. So um, I, I, I would be real comfortable if I was Rudy right now. Yeah. Tim, he initially put out, he does a, a one-hour show, three to four in the afternoon on WABC New York. He initially tweeted, see you this afternoon at three. He was not on uh, on, on, on WABC. What does it also say? You know, at, at different times over the past, I'm going to say at least two years, different reporters would uh, frequently say that he mistakenly, like they call it, like butt-dialed them and was calling and, and all this other stuff. And then 
what they did apparently get from Giuliani, both I can think his apartment and his office were electronic devices. I think phones, iPads, not sure about computers, but um, we're going to find out if, if he had any type of communication. Is there a way to wipe that clean that that, you know, that would be on if anyone could find it, I would imagine it would be the FBI and the people that went and, and, and you know, got it. I, I'm I'm not that savvy with all this technology, but you know we were all led to believe that Hillary Clinton had wiped out right. forty three thousand emails, but the feds were able to reconstruct it. Um, my limited understanding is that things that you believe you have wiped off of your computer and out of existence, you really don't know, but it's still stored somewhere in like the mysterious world of. Um, the cloud and all of these other um, things within the cyberspace and the computer world that your de- data never really goes away and things that you think you've erased never really are erased. So oh. smarter minds than I would know how to retrieve that stuff, even if Rudy thought he was destroying it or deleting it. But that's going to be a big problem for him if he's got this kind of information out there. And as we've seen, even after the election, when Rudy was in various courtrooms around the country and having press conferences, I mean, the man has lost something off of his fastball, in my opinion. Um, So I don't know if his records are tight, if it's sloppy, but he seems to have been winging it, at least during the um, post-election litigation which is not a good way to be practicing law. Yeah. We speak with attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, last Wednesday, high-profile shooting of a man in his driveway in North Carolina. And it uh, been a lot of uh, peaceful protests, I think, for the most part, although they've instituted a curfew. Here it is a week later, and it was heavily anticipated, but the, the judge still won't release the body cam footage. What I think is interesting about that is so many times people just think it's an automatic uh, that body cam footage gets released. There's still a lot unknown about this. They showed up. I think he was trying to flee, and then he was shot and killed. But what what about the judge weighing in and, and now denying the release of the body cam footage for now? It's I'm sure the judge has seen the entirety. Um, we've seen a rush to judgment over and over and over again based upon incomplete footage or a narrative that's incorrect. Um, I think this judge is attempting to allow cooler heads to prevail, to allow a full investigation to occur, um, both an internal police investigation, potentially bringing in an outside prosecutor, and letting the entirety of all of the body cam or other footage that's out there be looked at carefully. As we know from the George Floyd um, incident, um, what was originally put out there uh, for public consumption was clearly not the entire story. Um, The balance of video that came out uh, much after the fact might have changed some minds, uh, probably was insufficient to ever change the ultimate outcome of the case. But here, without having complete information, um, apparently what happened to this guy is there was a uh, warrant for his arrest on drug charges. Uh, the cops get him. He attempts to get away. He, I don't know if he rammed uh, his vehicle into the police vehicle or if they just touched each other. I don't know the extent or the speed at which uh, this suspect was going. He attempts to flee. The cops um, fire. They hit him four times um I think in the arm, and then they hit him once uh, as he's driving away in the back of the head. The family and the family's legal counsel is saying, look, this was an execution. This was an obvious execution. They shot him in the back of the head. That's an execution. Um, It remains to be seen um, if it's anything like that. Uh, The media is running with that narrative. As there's an execution of a black man in North Carolina, maybe it's true. But maybe it isn't, and it seems that the judge would prefer a full investigation occur. Um, 
and he's held up releasing the the entire video for at least 30 days although he is allowing the uh, family of the deceased individual i think within the next 10 days to see the video or as much as can be shown they may have to blur some images of some people they might have to redact some of it but um it, it's a it's a tough call if you release the some of the material the public can get the wrong image if you don't release the material the narrative can be an incorrect one which gets cemented into the minds of the public so it's a tough call yeah. but i think this judge did the right thing folks uh we're going to take a quick break a lot more attorney tim dodd right here on the john DePietro show Mega truck and trailer repair. Call them today. Commercial trailers, diesel equipment. Serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, 508-336-2110. 508-336-2110 for Mega MEGA, Mega truck and trailer repair. As I said, commercial trailers, diesel equipment, free estimates. FHWA inspections and Rhode Island State Inspection Station. Trailer pickup and delivery. 24-hour mobile service. Serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, it's MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair. Call them today, 508-336-2110, 24-hour mobile service, and also ABS repairs, brakes, doors. Listen, if it's on a trailer, MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair, they can repair it. Call them today, 508-336-2110, 508-336-2110, it's MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair. If you've been thinking about updating your website or if you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business, you could receive a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional. And she's been doing this work for 25 years. Contact Karen Etchells at InnoVest Digital Marketing. She will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Give Karen a call for a free consultation at 401 401- 321-2799 that's 401-321-2799 or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com it's spring and time to call jkl engineering today at 401-351-7600 jkl engineering licensed in rhode island and massachusetts you know pretty soon it'll be warm it'll be hot why not have central air for your home call jkl engineering today 401 401- Three five one seventy six hundred. Remember, with JKL, estimates are free. Financing is available, both residential and commercial. In the winter time, JKL they can reduce your oil bill by as much as ninety percent. It's going to be a hot summer. Call JKL Engineering today. Be nice and cool in your home this summer. Call JKL four zero one three five one seventy six hundred for fifty four years. JKL's reputation second to none especially for technical expertise and customer satisfaction. JKL, they do it right. They do it right the first time. They're an approved National Grid VPI installer. JKL is also a Navian certified factory dealer called JKL for system replacement, oil to gas, or for a heat pump. Estimates are free. Financing is available, both residential and commercial. Call JKL Engineering today for light for Rhode Island and Massachusetts, 401 401- 351-7600-401-351-7600. It's JKL Engineering. We're speaking with our legal expert, attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, another jury. First, we had the alternate jury, but now a real uh, one of the members of the jury came out, uh, did an interview talking about the Chauvin verdict. Um, one thing that stood out to me was he basically said if it wasn't for just one juror, I think I heard him say they, they they basically decided all three counts within 20 minutes. I'm anxious to hear your thoughts on uh, some of the the uh, perspective of that that particular juror. It, it, it's really eye-opening. We've heard from one juror who remained on the panel through the verdict, and we've heard from one alternate who never got to deliberate on the case. The gentleman who was on the jury and got to deliberate said some things, some surprising, some interesting. He uh, did note that the jury 
made much of the fact that um, the defendant chose not to testify. And I think they considered that um, failure to testify appropriately. They didn't say, oh, he didn't testify, he must be guilty. That was not the conclusion. The conclusion seemed to be, we wish the guy had testified so we could know what he was thinking, what he was feeling, what he was doing. Right. We never got to hear from him. And, you know, hindsight's perfect, but that's always going to be something that Chauvin, while he's sitting in a prison cell, is going to be thinking, should I have testified? And I'm sure his attorney will be thinking the same thing. Did we make the right call? Um, could, he, could he have survived cross-examination? Those questions um, will haunt the defendant and his attorney for years. But this juror said some other provocative things. Um, he was asked generally, you know, outside influence, outside pressure. And he's like, oh, no, the whole jury, we were all focused on this case. We didn't watch the news. We didn't pay attention to anything outside of this case. Well, how would he know that? Right. Uh, the jurors are instructed that they're not even to speak about this case amongst themselves until they get the case and they're in the jury room after the close of evidence, after jury instructions, and after closing arguments. So are these jurors talking during the trial? Hey, did you watch TV last night? No, I haven't been watching TV. How would this guy know what all the other jurors were doing unless they talked about it? Yep. Or did he just surmise or conclude I don't know how we would have that knowledge unless this jury failed to follow the judge's instructions. Um, the alternate juror also said some interesting things. She, um, obviously, we, we know that the jury was not sequestered during the actual trial. They only were sequestered when they got the case after the judge charged them. And she was commenting about, you know, the case and all the crazy things that happened during the course of the trial from small things to big things like um, the guy getting killed um, when he was um, erroneously shot with a um, pistol instead of a taser. So she knew about that story. Yeah. She knew about the, the, the ongoing um, um, upset in that town and the demonstrations, etc. Now, maybe that's not violating the judge's order. Don't read about this case. Don't watch TV about this case. Don't listen to anything about this case. And clearly what happened with the taser incident didn't relate to this case, but it was another incident of a white police officer killing a black male suspect. Yep. And could that have had an influence on the jury? Who knows? Because the judge never inquired, I don't believe. I don't think he ever pulled the jury during the trial. You know, there's been things, some things going on. Are you aware of them, and does it affect you? I don't think that happened. Um, I don't believe the judge ever did that. But had the judge um, had this jury sequestered from the outset, as defense counsel um, asked for over and over again, that wouldn't have been even a potential influence on the jury. Hmm. But at least this one juror, she was listening to what was happening with other uh, cop shootings. Did it influence the jury? We don't really know. Was the jury, you know, the jury may or may not come out and talk about that down the line. But um, it's also interesting, as you say, that they would have decided this case in 20 minutes. Holy cow. The, the juror who did... Uh, stay on through the verdict, uh, did say that he was uh, very moved and very impressed by the testimony of one of the experts, but really of uh, George Floyd's brother, who had a very emotional um, time on the witness stand, uh, understandably so. But as we've talked about in the past, um, some of the testimony that the brother was allowed to provide and, you know, I, I talked to George at night and all these things that were going on in that courtroom. Um, in this jurisdiction, I don't think those things would have been occurring. So the jury, I think, 
was touched by a lot of the emotional testimony, and the prosecutors made the right moves to humanize George Floyd, if you will, and make him not this big um, guy resisting arrest who was on drugs. Yep. They did a very good job of humanizing him, which really affected this jury. One last thing, if I may. The jury, the juror who went on TV and talked about this, he indicates that in his jury questionnaire, because there was a written questionnaire provided to prospective jurors so that the prosecution, the defense could try to call out individuals with a bias um, or other things that would make them unsuitable. This guy said, I wanted to be on that jury. Yeah. I knew this was the biggest case of my life and I wanted to be part of it. Um, that, that's what he put in his jury questionnaire. I don't know why defense counsel would have allowed um, this guy to stay on the jury. I mean, to me, that would have been a red flag saying this guy really wants to be on this jury because it's a big case and it's high profile. Um, that would have, I think, given me pause to say, do I want this guy on or not? Maybe defense counsel said, well, maybe he was open-minded. He's going to be paying attention. But um, clearly allowing this guy to stay on the jury, um, it, again, in hindsight, wasn't the right call. He even if, you're said, on the if you're on the defense. If you're on the defense. Tim, I think he also said, well, you know, I think she said, Robert Roberts, what was it like in the courtroom? He said, watching history. George Floyd forever will be. That'll be his legacy, a legendary figure. I mean, that that does not sound like, you know, I haven't reached a conclusion on the facts of the case yet. And he also said, um, you know, are you satisfied? I think they asked, are you satisfied with the verdict? And he said, well, it's a good start. Yeah. Tim. So, I, I think he's a man who came in with an agenda. From yeah. What he's saying. It's his words, not my supposition. It's what he's saying. So. Letting him stay on the jury, um, looking back, 2020, Monday morning quarterback, mm. probably not a great move if you're the defendant. No. One, one other thing is the jury, I think, was, I don't know if the word is impressed or unimpressed, this guy uh, speaking for the other jurors, the, um, the cockiness or the aloofness of um, Chauvin during the course of the trial. Yep. Um, his demeanor, the way he looked at them, the way he sat at counsel table, the way he behaved in the courtroom sort of reflected the way he was behaving in that video. A cocky, ego-driven cop who was not going to be told what his job was or how to behave by a group of angry people watching this event unfold. And I think that cockiness, that sort of haughtiness, coupled with the fact that he didn't testify, left this jury with the idea that this guy did this and he knew what he was doing. He mm. never got up there to be contrite or say, listen, I was following procedure. I never dreamed in a million years this guy was going to die. I thought I was following policy. I thought I could sense that he was breathing. I didn't sense that he was in any trouble. I mean, maybe the jury would buy it. Maybe they wouldn't. But mm. clearly they were... Um, negatively affected by his demeanor in the courtroom yeah tim dodd the alternate jury even said like she remarked that a couple times she locked eyes with him but it was not in a way of you know i remember there were reports klaus von bulow in the second trial began smiling at the jury and nodding his head to them and as you say it kind of humanizes them chauvin never crossed that not if she felt like her you know, blood was curling and, and just her body froze when he like locked eyes with her. That is not connecting with the jury, not in the way that you want. No, not at all. In fact, you know, was he trying to like sit there at council table with his mask? Was he trying to intimidate them? Yeah. It, it, it was a quizzical um, way he behaved. Of course, he's also, you can only see how, all you can really see is his eyes. The eyes. From the nose down, he's yeah. coming up. And those eyes were rather piercing. And the way he would look around the courtroom, um, it wasn't very warm and sympathetic no. um, persona that he was giving off during during the time of the trial. Yeah. Too. And again, he's going to have a lot of time to think about that, too. Tim Dodd, um, 
uh, before we take a break, isn't I, I thought doesn't the judge instruct the jury that, you know, he's still presumed innocent and they should read nothing into the fact that he chooses not to testify? Yes, that's yeah. done in every case. And, and I think that the jury got that part right. They didn't sit around saying, huh, he didn't testify. He must be guilty. Right. We're going to hold it against him. I think they were more saying, boy, I wish this guy had testified. So yeah. could, what was he thinking? What right. was he feeling? It would have been helpful to hear from him. So I think they followed the instructions and they didn't say, eh, he didn't testify. He must be guilty. Hmm. Uh, they, didn't, they didn't take it from that approach. I think no. they got that part right. Folks, another quick break. Uh, more with attorney Tim Dodd right here on the John DePietro Show. We're in an accident. Someone hits your vehicle. It's damaged in some way. Pick up the phone and call West Fountain Auto Body, 401-272-3340. They're located 400 West Fountain Street in Providence. Folks, as you're riding along, you just never know. You could be dealing with a drunk driver, someone not paying attention. How about the people texting and driving? If you ever damage your vehicle, call West Fountain Auto Body, 401-272-3340. Several reasons. One, they'll handle everything for you. Two, they're going to work for you, not the insurance company. And three, they'll make your car. It'll look like it just rolled out of the showroom. West Fountain Auto Body. Call them, 401 272 3340. Did someone damage your vehicle? Whether it's a small fender bender or nearly total vehicle, West Fountain will restore your vehicle, get it back on the road. Call them today, 401-272-3340. And remember, if you're having an accident, first thing you want to do, call the police, fill out a police report. If the tow truck shows up, tell them, let's get this vehicle over to West Fountain, 401-272-3340. We're speaking with our legal expert attorney, Tim Dodd. Tim, in Fall River, well, the Fall River mayor has finally uh, come to trial, Mayor Jazel Korea. And uh, so far, they seem to be laying out a pretty good case of uh, just uh, flim-flam and corruption. And, and it seemingly started, they're building the case with this failed app that he had people investing in. Well, this is a case where um, the mayor has 24 criminal counts against him. Some of the charges, as you say, deal with this failed app that he developed and he got hundreds of thousands of dollars from investors and uh, wound up spending a lot of the money on high-end jewelry, high-end clothing, uh, trips, um, adult entertainment, all kinds of things that had nothing to do with uh, the business development of this app. And the second part of the criminal counts against him have to deal with allegedly extorting kickbacks from um, individuals looking to get marijuana dispensary licenses. So he's got a variety of things um, confronting him and his attorney. Um, amongst those charges is filing false uh, tax documentations, filing false tax returns. And that's not the sexiest of the charges. There's things that are going to be more provocative. But just like they didn't get Al Capone on anything but um, tax evasion and tax fraud, that could be the hardest thing for this um, Jazio Korea to get around. Um, if it can be shown that he was pocketing some of the kickback money and obviously not reporting it on his income tax return, that's going to be a problem which will result potentially in a conviction in a jail term. Um, and if he was uh, diverting money from uh, investors in this app and spending it on himself with no relation to the business, that's imputed income to him, which he, I'm certain was not reporting. So, at the core, he has taken money um, illegally or improperly and not reported it to, to the Internal um, Revenue Service. As far as the allegations of kickbacks, as we've discussed, I presume that he'll be saying, listen, my, my underlings were shaking these people down. They were getting the money. They claimed to have been doing it in my name. 
they claimed that I'd be getting part of the proceeds um, when they were shaking people down, but I never got any of it. They kept it all. Well, you're going to have those underlings who have already um, pled guilty and have agreed to testify against the mayor um, who are certainly going to give a different story. Um, I think the potentially most damning witness is his former chief of staff who claims that in order to get the job, they had to kick back half of their salary to the mayor under the table. Now, if that's true and if that can be proved, that's going to be a problem for the mayor. Also, let's assume he was getting some of this cash from the kickbacks or spending cash, as they can clearly document, from the uh, money raised for the app. Um, if he claims he didn't get any of the money from the kickbacks, I'm sure he wasn't depositing in banks. He's not that stupid. But his expenditures, what he was buying, and how does he account for his ability to buy certain things um, based upon the salary he was getting as mayor? If you do a forensic audit, money in, money out, if he's spending more money than he's taking in, he's getting it from somewhere. Um, all of that's going to be part of the prosecution's presentation in this case. And, and so far, I'm not sure how well the defense is doing. One line of questioning to one of the investors was, well, you knew that Jaziel was going to use part of the money that you were using to invest in this app because you wanted Jaziel to sort of um, take your nephew under his wing and take him out to strip joints. <laughs> the investor was like, well, that was, that was no such part of the agreement. But it seemed like the defense counsel um, brought that in from left field. And if you can't back it up with any further evidence, it's kind of an... Um, an oddball question to be putting out there, um, especially when if you don't know what the answer is going to be. And clearly, the answer was that was not part of the equation to give Jaziel money so he could take my nephew out to strip joints and huh. show him around a little bit. Huh. Tim Dodd, what about this uh, this case involving Ashley Babbitt, who was the unarmed protester who was shot and killed? They never identified the Capitol Police officer, but she was shot and killed inside the Capitol on January 6th. This has been a curious situation from the time that it happened. I mean, immediately after the incident, the video of her being shot was shown oh, for maybe a day or two or three after the fact. And you see her trying to breach a door or a window, and you see an arm, and there's a pistol in the, the, the hand, and she is shot. If not at point blank range, it looked like she was within three feet or so of the officer who shot her and killed her. Um, the investigation of Metro Police and of Capitol Police have said there's, there's nothing further to investigate. This officer acted completely properly. There'll be no charges. It seems to me the case should have at least been put in front of a grand jury. Yeah. That never happened. Yep. Um, so now... Um, the family of this woman, Ashley Babbitt, has hired counsel who's going to sue the officer and the department in a civil suit. So now they're going to get some discovery. Now we're going to find out who this guy is, presumably. Um, and this will be a case solely for money damages. It's not going, it cannot result in the cop being prosecuted but it might bring a little bit more attention to this case. And maybe there'll be a little bit more done in terms of a criminal investigation. It seems like this was, maybe it's appropriate that no charges were filed, but it has the appearances of having been swept under the rug very quickly. Yeah. And it appears that the media has been largely very compliant because they don't ask questions, they don't talk about it, they don't seem to care about it. Tim Dodd, that Capitol Police officer, you know, first we heard he was beaten by it with a fire extinguisher. Then they said it was a uh, beer repellent that killed him. Then we find out that they finally released the autopsy, died of natural causes. I've seen video. The guy, he, the, that officer, rest in peace, but he was actually obese. The photo they use of him is not 
how he looked on January 6th when I saw him. He apparently had a stroke back at the office. The events of that day, first they said a woman was trampled. It turned out she had a fentanyl overdose. Two men died of heart attacks or they, you know, they collapsed leaving the speech. They were nowhere inside. And yet the media was running with this narrative of five people were killed at the Capitol. That is the only person that really seemed to be killed was Ashley Babbitt, who was shot and killed. Yes. And the the media continue to report things, knowing these things to be false, or do they simply rush to a story that they had not verified was true? Right. And once they learned that their first version of the story was not true, um, do they take pains and steps to clear the record and correct the story? We didn't see much of that. No. We didn't see much of, you know, depending on your source of news, you wouldn't have heard any of the corrections. Um, but you're right. One woman was claimed to have been trampled. She died of a drug overdose. A um, couple of the um, officers, I think one had a heart attack, unfortunately. I mean, these are all sad situations. But the narrative that you hear on Capitol Hill from certain, you know, Congress uh, people and still from the media, you know, five deaths from this riot. Well, true, but contextually, there's a lot more to it than the same five people died. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't really give you the correct overview. And, you know, whether you support uh, President Trump or whether you loathe President Trump, the narrative is always that Trump's activities that day led to five deaths. That's right. I think, um, is a real twisting of what actually occurred. Folks, he is our legal expert, Attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, great job. Stay safe, and we'll talk to you again. Thanks, John. You too. This portion of the John DePietro Show, folks, is brought to you by Brothers Disposal. Call Brother Roland today, now offering weekly trash collection services. Brothers Disposal. Look for them on Facebook. They have those purple dumpsters, and the Facebook page stands out, purple and yellow. Brothers Disposal. Again, offering weekly trash collection services. Call for an estimate, 401-688-0517. 401-688-0517. Come on, brother. Call Brother's Disposal today. Put a purple dumpster in your driveway. Maybe you're doing some spring cleaning, or maybe you want to clean out that basement, the garage, the attic. Call Brother's Disposal today. Get a purple dumpster in your driveway, 401 401- Six eight eight zero five one seven, and remember, now offering weekly trash collection services. Call for an estimate. It's Brother's Disposal four zero one six eight eight zero five one seven. Mega Logistics, they're there to help you. Give them a call today four zero one four three one. 2300 MEGA Mega Logistics. If you have freight, you need freight, goods, third party brokerage for your company, warehousing and transportation. How about custom freight, supply chain management, routing, bill auditing, customer developing, proven track record with Fortune 500 companies? You can depend on Mega MEGA Logistics. Call them today 401 431 2300. 401 431 2300. Does that sound like your company, maybe you have freight or you need freight goods, third-party brokerage, warehousing, transportation, custom freight. They have the experience. Call them today. MEGA Logistics, 401-431-2300.